Nutrition and exercise are not the only things when it comes to health. I think that Instagram has really misled that. Not only Instagram, but just the diet culture as a whole has really misled that. We just see everywhere all things about what to eat and how to exercise and it's so focused around weight loss and so focused around like this perfect body and that is what equals health but that is such a false narrative there are eight pillars of wellness those include physical social emotional occupational financial spiritual intellectual and environmental so only one eighth of wellness is nutrition and exercise which is obviously that physical portion there's so much more to it there's so much more to health weight loss is not the only thing about health being skinny doesn't always equal health our physical body is not the only thing to health there's also our mental our spiritual and so many other things one of the biggest portions that can contribute to our health as a whole is how we sleep. Hello and welcome to the Birdie and the Beast podcast. I'm your host, Alex Orr, aka Birdie, and I'm a certified nutrition coach and personal trainer, knocking down myths and misinformation that has been created by diet culture, fat phobia, and under-certified fitness influencers. I'm here to show you wellness beyond aesthetics while guiding you into the direction of optimal health. You are capable of thriving and taking up more space. Are you ready for this journey? I think you are. Let's dive on in episode 19. Happy to have you here. I feel like it's been a while because I didn't record an episode last week so it just feels like absolute forever and I hate when I don't get to do an episode but sometimes I just get myself into ruts and I'm still trying to figure out how to work through those brick walls, those points where I just have absolute writer's block. Like I, being a creative content creator, artist, it can be really tough because you have to exist in this constant creative flow and that's just not always easy. We're learning. We're learning and I'm happy to have you guys here on the journey, happy to have you guys supporting me every step of the way. This is just the beginning. It's going to get bigger from here. It's all a process. We're embracing and trusting the process. We're loving the journey because it's about the journey, not the destination. Anyways, welcome. Welcome to episode 19 on sleep. We're talking sleep. We're talking what happens when we experience sleep loss. We're going to discuss the hormones and our overall cognitive and physical function. I'm going to be diving into long-term, the effects of long-term sleep loss, 
but also the effects of short-term sleep loss. For example, it was Halloween weekend this past weekend, and I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning on Saturday to go to work, and later that night I went to a Halloween party, and we didn't go to bed till 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, you heard that. I was up for a whole 24 hours. Don't know how this this granny did it, because usually I'm in bed by like 8.30, 9 o'clock, so I really don't know how I was awake. But let me tell you, I'm still recovering. It is now Wednesday and I'm still recovering. I've gotten naps and plenty of eight hour sleep nights. Still recovering. Cause it takes time after your body just lost that many hours of sleep. So we're gonna dive in today on exactly what goes on with your body when you lose sleep. First and foremost, on average, we need eight hours of sleep. Now, that can sometimes change from person to person. Some people need a little less and some people need a little more. Most of the times, the people that are needing a little more are those people that are living extreme active life lifestyles or people that are athletes. But in general, if you wake up tired and you spend the day longing for a nap, you're likely not getting enough sleep. And that's kind of where you can go from there and just figure out what's the right amount of sleep for you, but generally it's a right around eight hours of sleep. Obviously our body has a lot of hormones and there's a lot of hormones involved within sleep, but we're gonna talk about the main four hormones, which are cortisol, grenaline, leptin, and our growth hormone. First, our cortisol hormone, which is primarily our stress hormone. It increases sugar, aka glucose, in the bloodstream enhances your brain's use of glucose, increases the availability of substances that repair tissues. Cortisol will also curb functions that could be non-essential or harmful in a fight or flight situation. Now naturally cortisol, we want a fair amount but not too much. When we have too much cortisol in our body, that most likely means that we're existing in a fight or flight situation constantly, which obviously we don't. We want to be existing more in our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest. And when we are just experiencing a lot of stress, cortisol will rise extremely. Now, when we're sleeping, the whole process of sleeping, the reason that we sleep is allowing our body to basically reset and restore. So it's giving its time to naturally rest, but also it's going to restore any type of imbalance in your body. Our body wants to be at, homeo at a homeostatic state at all times, which basically means it wants to be balanced and leveled off. For example, the homeostatic state of our body temperature should be between 98 to 100 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 37 to 37.8 degrees Celsius. So when we are sleeping and we're not doing anything at all other than the fact that our eyes are closed, our body is at complete rest, our body is getting back to a homeostatic state. It's resetting everything. 
as it's supposed to. But, however, if there's some type of extreme imbalance or we're getting poor sleep, it's not necessarily going to do its job. So the four hormones, going back to the four hormones that we are going to be discussing on today's podcast, what happens when you are losing sleep, you're receiving an increase in cortisol, an increase in ghrelin, a a decrease in leptin, and a decrease in our growth hormone. And I'm going to continue to talk more about this throughout the podcast, so just keep this in mind. But for right now, that's all you really need to know. Like I said, I will go into more death as we go on. But first and foremost, we really need to talk about the stages of sleep, the whole process of sleep. So you have four stages of sleep. Stage one is our non-rapid eye movement sleep, aka NREM sleep. In this stage, you are experiencing transition period between wakefulness and sleep, and it lasts around five to ten minutes. So you're not completely asleep just yet. Now, NREM will continue on until stage three. So we have stage two, we're still in NREM, but during this stage, your body temperature will drop and your heart rate will begin to slow. Your brain begins to produce sleep spindles and lasts about 20 minutes. Now we move on to stage three, still in NREM. This is when your muscles will start to relax, your blood pressure and breathing rate will drop, and you begin your deepest sleep. And then our final stage is REM sleep. REM sleep is when the brain becomes more active body becomes relaxed and immobilized, dreams will occur, and your eyes will move rapidly. Stage one through three is pretty much the process of your body falling asleep and getting into a much deeper sleep. And then REM sleep is simply when you're dreaming and you're completely asleep and your body begins to do its thing and reset and repair. Note that this is a cycle, which basically means that you will be going from one stage back to another stage. And that what that means is that you're not going to be in REM or deep sleep for the entirety of your night once you finally fall asleep. You can go back to light sleep And you can also go back to awake. And when I say awake, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're consciously awake, but necessarily your body is awake whether you know it or not. But also there are times throughout the night that sometimes we do randomly wake up. Like maybe we wake up to use the restroom or we just wake up and struggle to go back to sleep. And sometimes that could just be caused from some type of imbalance or stress. As far as the awake times, it's typical to see about 10 to 30 awake times each night. And these moments can be so short that you just don't even remember them. You're most likely not fully conscious when you wake up in the middle of your sleep. Your REM sleep is going to occur later in 
at night and it has been shown to be really important for your memory and mood because it's going to be where your brain is most active and it's going to be working to get all those memories of things that you maybe have learned throughout the day into your brain. And this is super important, super important if you're a student or if you're, you know, working out. Like, there's so many reasons that it's super important because anything that you did during that day, your sleep is going to take it all in and store it into your brain. So let's say you have a really important exam the next day and you're studying all day long. You need to prioritize getting a good night's rest because how many times have you experienced where you pulled a night all-nighter and you get to the test, you're sitting in front of the test, and everything that you studied all night long just wipes away. You completely forget it because sleep is so much needed in order to take in that information that you need to remember. Same with, let's say we're working out that day. And we're, you know, we're working out some some new exercises and we want to try those exercises the next day, but maybe we're not fully like succeeding. It's not feeling right. This memory is also going to relate to muscle memory as well. And so sleep is really important, not just for our memories of the information that we're taking in via maybe school or work or whatever else it may be, but it's also going to be the information that our muscles are taking in. Another cool thing about REM sleep is that our dreams are more vivid, which basically means that we're kind of a little bit more conscious, and these are going to be the dreams that we're most likely going to remember because there are dreams that we do experience in a sleep that we don't remember at all. And those vivid dreams are the ones that are going to be the ones where we really like feel like we're actually in it. Like think of those dreams where you're falling off a cliff and it actually feels like you're falling off the cliff. Like it just feels more real. It feels like you're actually experiencing it in real life. And as well as I, I think I said this earlier, but during REM sleep, our, hearts, our heart rate is a bit elevated and our breathing is going to be a little bit faster. And then we have our light sleep, which would be stages one through three. And this is going to be about 50% or so of your sleep. So a pretty large majority of your sleep is going to be light sleep. And you might not know it, but your light sleep is really important because it typically makes up most of your night and promotes mental and physical restoration. And then we have our deep sleep, which is going to be the smallest portion of your sleep, around 10% or so. And this is going to help with physical recovery and aspects of memory and learning. If you're feeling extra refreshed, you likely spend a pretty solid time in deep sleep. So overall, all the stages of sleep are really working to make sure that your body, your mind, everything is just restored. There is a spiritual side to sleep and that's just like a whole deeper thing that really um, focuses in on the dreams. But 
we're just going to be focusing on the physical and mental side of sleep today and understanding that all stages of sleep are super important and it's very important that we get a good night's rest in order for our body to be at a homeostatic state and just take in the right memories, the right information that we need in order to function. Let's just go over the symptoms of sleep loss for both short-term sleep loss and long-term sleep loss. So some of the symptoms include, and this is for short-term but also can be included in long-term, brain fog, so hard to concentrate and make decisions, low mood and irritability, an increased risk of injury and accidents, a decrease in immunity and, and digestion, which can lead to an increase in water retention, which obviously results in bloating, increase in stress, an increase in constipation, or just a messed up stool cycle. Nor naturally, um, our poop cycle tends to be very well synced in which you might notice that you poop at very specific times every single day. It's around the same times every day, and the loss of sleep can affect that. It can either lead to us being constipated or just pooping at weird times that you may normally not poop at. It also can lead to a decrease in libidos, aka decrease in sex drive, a decrease in fertility, a decrease in cognitive function, and a decrease in muscle memory. And this can just happen simply from a weekend of partying, or maybe you're just, during your week, you've, you had a few nights where you stayed up, pulled an all-nighter, you just lost a lot of sleep. And the unfortunate thing about sleep is once you lose sleep, you can't ever get it back. The thing about sleep is like when you're losing sleep, it is kind of taken off time of your, your lifeline, unfortunately. But yeah, if you wanted to like, oh, well, I got four hours of sleep last night, so I'll just get a four hours to my normal eight hours of sleep the next night, and I'll just make up for it. And it doesn't really work like that. You just, once you lose sleep, you lose sleep. You can't really get it back, but you can obviously reset yourself from the effects that you experience from sleep loss. It just may take a while. Like I said earlier, I lost a lot of sleep on Saturday, it's now Wednesday, and I'm still feeling a little off. I'm now getting a little bit better, I don't feel as tired, I'm starting to process things a lot better, but I will tell you, like, I just couldn't function, I couldn't think, I couldn't just do, like, physical activity, I couldn't do any sort of mental activity, like, I was just all over the place. I've been bloated. So before I discuss the long-term symptoms, we're going to go back to the hormones real quick after discussing the symptoms that I just mentioned. So first off, like I said, we have an increase in cortisol when we have a sleep loss. That increase in cortisol is leading to that increase in stress that we're seeing. It's also going to lead to that increase in low mood and 
irritability. You know, when we're stressed, we're not happy. We're frustrated. We're not in a good mood. What's also going to lead to water retention because when we have high cortisol, our body is just in this state of, it's in, it basically hits our sympathetic nervous system. Our sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight and our body cannot relax. Now that also goes back into the immunity and digestion. There's a decrease in our immunity and digestion. Our digestion and immune system are linked together. So when one's down, the other is down. And with digestion, we have to be in a state of rest and digest, which is our parasympathetic nervous system. If our cortisol is increased, we're in our sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, which means that we cannot rest and digest. Our digestive system is not going to work, which is going to continue on with that water retention. It's going to continue on with that bloating. And so when you have a lack of sleep, you're going to notice that you're very much bloated. You're going to notice you probably have cold-like symptoms, snuffly nose, maybe watery eyes, maybe you have a headache. It's just going to feel like almost like you're hungover. Like that's basically essentially what it's going to feel like. You're going to feel just moody, bloated, sick, all of those things. Constipated, none of the good things, right? So then we're going to go back to the two hormone, the other two hormones that I mentioned, which are grenadin and leptin. So grenadin is an increase and leptin is going to be decreased. Grenadin and leptin are both contributing to our hunger levels. Grenadin is our I'm hungry hormone. It tells you when you're hungry. Leptin is I'm full hormone. It tells you when you're satisfied. So when we lose sleep, we have an increase in grenadin, aka an increase in hunger, but we have a decrease in leptin, aka a decrease in satiety. So you will notice that when you have this loss of sleep, you feel really hungry, but you can't seem to feel satisfied. So you're eating meals and you may not feel like you can get full or it takes a lot of food to get you full, or maybe you you feel like you're getting hungry almost every hour because you just simply cannot get satisfied. And this can often lead to one of our long-term symptoms is obesity because we're over, it's easy to overeat when you have your hunger increased and your satiety is decreased. You're just constantly consuming food because you can't get you can't get satisfied with this crazy hunger and then it leads to weight gain which can then lead to obesity and then we have our growth hormone which we see a decrease in our growth hormone our growth hormone regulates the fat muscle tissue and bones in our bodies and other aspects of our metabolism such as insulin action and blood sugar levels now with this decrease in growth hormone it's obviously going to lead to possible more fat storage along with a loss in tissue and bone and it can also lead to glucose operating or it can also lead to glucose processing in the incorrect way which we're going to continue to talk about 
and the long-term symptoms. So the long-term symptoms of sleep loss over a span of time include heart disease, obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes type 2, depression, and anxiety. Now, going back to that decrease in growth hormone that can contribute contribute to diabetes occurring in long-term symptoms, in a long-term sleep loss. So what's happening is when our growth hormone is decreasing, we no longer have something that is going to help aid in the control of insulin and blood sugar levels. And on top of that, when we're really tired, we obviously need our body to take as much energy as possible to keep us awake. And so essentially what's going to happen is glucose in our body, the main source of energy, is going to be processed in an incorrect way. It's not going to be processed in the way that it's supposed to be. And when that's occurring, our insulin is not going to be properly regulated, which can cause diabetes. We also could see in a long-term effect an increase in the process of aging, which basically means a lot more showing of wrinkles or just not as tight, looser skin. And the reason that that may occur is because of the increase in cortisol, which happens is that cortisol will actually attach to the collagen, which collagen in our skin is what keeps it nice and tight. And when it attaches to the collagen, it will break down the elasticity of our skin, causing our skin to kind of sag and it can cause wrinkles and just make us look much older. Overall, when we're not getting proper sleep, we are not going to be able to function at our best. We're not going to be able to perform, whether it be in the gym or at work or school or whatever it may be. We just can't properly perform in our best way because sleep is so important. Sleep essentially is what regulates our body. It keeps us functioning. Obviously, we need food and we need movement and we need tons of other things to keep our body right, but the best thing that we need is sleep. We need sleep. A lot of people miss out on that. Like A lot of people that are on a weight loss journey, they don't understand when they're not seeing results yet they're eating correctly and they're exercising, they're doing everything they're supposed to be doing, except they're not getting enough sleep. And that can really make a huge damper on your results because your body is just not going to digest the food that you're taking in properly and it's not going to be able to the movement that you give your body is not going to be effective. Like if you're trying to gain muscle and you know, you're lifting heavier weights, but you're not going getting enough sleep, you're not going to see that muscle come through in the way that you wish simply because you're not giving your body rest because during that rest time is essentially when the muscle is building. The workout is when your muscle is breaking down, but when you're resting, 
your muscle is rebuilding and it's also creating that muscle memory so that it can remember exactly how to do the movement and be able to lift the weight that you want to lift but without the sleep you're not getting those things and of course there's a lot of downsides to losing sleep over a large span of time it can lead to a lot of chronic diseases that obviously we don't want to experience like heart disease or diabetes or even depression and something important to know out is that when we're relying on caffeine or energy drinks frequently it can also disrupt our sleep patterns because essentially caffeine is a sleep suppressant and it's going to keep us awake longer it's going to mess up our correct sleep times because we live our bodies live on a a cycle it lives on a it lives on the circadian rhythm and when we're not when we're doing things that may suppress that it's going to take us out of the circadian rhythm and it's going to extremely affect our sleep so it's okay to have a coffee here and there if you really truly need it but to rely on that constantly to be drinking that daily to be drinking it you know even more than one cup a day to keep you awake is going to deeply affect your sleep patterns and if you do need to simply drink coffee in order to be awake like on the daily then really that goes back to like you need to just figure out a better way to get better sleep and if it really is something that you're struggling with I definitely recommend reaching out to a health professional to figure out what's truly going on. We are not nocturnal we are humans which means that we really shouldn't be going to bed past 11 p.m. Obviously, sometimes our lifestyles, that's just how it is. You know, if we, we work later or if we have kids that we have to take care of or whatever it may be, sometimes it's just not something that we can necessarily do. But if there's a way to go to bed before 11 o'clock, then definitely go ahead and do it because we really aren't meant to be staying up for that late at least on the daily like obviously enjoy your life and go out but to be doing that all the time can really deeply affect you and lead to some really awful harmful chronic diseases i know today's podcast was a little bit more technical but hormones is something that i love to talk about and i love talking about sleep i think it's super interesting and of course it's super super important to our health and I'd love to continue the conversation. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that I was able to bring you some information, bring you some more knowledge that you may not received before. I hope that it aligned with you, and I am so thankful for all of your love and support. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts to let me know what you think and what you would like to see in the future. And you can also follow me on Instagram, that's at NourishBirdie, to get all things wellness on the daily. I will see you guys back next week. Have a great day.